This episode of What's the Story podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for all of our listeners today. When you head over to manscaped.com, use the code WTSPOD and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So go on ahead, join the movement and the 2 million men worldwide who already trust Manscaped. Did you know one bloke every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? Testicular cancer is the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35. And this month Manscaped are working with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. In addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy grooming, we're encouraging you to check yourself at least once a month and if you find anything that seems untoward, any lumps, bumps, anything painful, any new swelling, get it checked out properly. Give your doctor a call and make sure that nothing sinister is brewing. Together, the Testicular Cancer Society, Manscaped and WTS Pod are all committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer that's affecting these young men. We're also giving support to fighters, survivors and families of impacted by testicular cancer as part of the We Save Balls initiative. So make sure that you're checking yourself regularly, you're keeping yourself looking fresh and tidy by using those Manscaped tools and remember, when you join the Manscaped movement, you're taking care of your balls in more ways than one. Head on over to manscaped.com to learn more and also use the code WTSPOD at checkout and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 236. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Danny? I'm absolutely tremendous, Graham. Uh, sunny, sunny Friday as we record this. Yeah, gorgeous. The weather's, the weather's to be good for the weekend. Gorgeous. And, um, you know, I'm... Uh, it's, it's better. It's better when you're in a pandemic when the weather's nice. Because everyone else is a bit happier. It, it makes the world... I popped down to the bakery there yesterday. Uh, just, I've, I've gone mad for... this bakery down here. It was unbelievable. Uh, like... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Spit it out, Dan. I can't think of the name of the type of bread I'm getting, Graham, but it's, it's delicious bread anyway, but I love from the bakery. It's really fresh. And I'm like, you know, I'm supporting local and all that kind of thing, so that's good. Um, but your one in the bakery was in flying form. Sweet treats and port leash, for anybody in port leash with this, and although I doubt it because they hate me down here. But anyway, sweet treats, right? And I uh, walked in and said, can I get me loaf of bread and whatever there? And I said, give us, a, give us an old cream bone on a rocky road as well. And she, she even threw, she threw in a couple of cake pops because she was in such good form because of the weather. I think Rocky Roads are very heavy, but they're delicious. Oh, absolutely. Delicious. Absolutely. Agree. Love a good bit of history. Yeah, yeah. And which on that, man. And which on that. I, um, now, yeah, I, I wouldn't take a Rocky Road from like a packet, but like one from a bakery kind of thing that, you know, yeah. they've, they've done that this morning and they've just yeah. put it up in batches there. Oh, unreal. Lovely. Lovely. So yeah, got, yeah. Um, Tesco outlets now at Tesco Valley Park. 
uh, are doing Krispy Kremes. Where Tesco are doing Krispy Kremes? Krispy Kremes are the second best donut in all of Ireland. They're what? Sensational. What is the first best donut in all of Ireland? Well, uh, I have to, I have to be biased to Buddy Rat Bull sponsored a Roland donut. I, I'm not biased. I've just sampled the wares, and I would agree with you. A sensation in your yeah. taste buds. Well, the donuts from the kiosk from the Roland mm. donut on O'Connell Street, the cinnamon, the chocolate, and oh. jam are sad fucking sensational. One of my, one of my last crispy creams are phenomenal. Yeah. One of my lasting memories of Dublin City Centre will always be a cold evening and the smell of those donuts as you walk up O'Connell Street. Unbelievable. Oh, my you know, Mike, Michael, Michael has that. I, I, um, Michael Quinlan uh, owns that. Mm. Uh, Lisa, and I grew up with Lisa. And Michael, um, Michael has had that kiosk since the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Dublin City Council have offered to buy it off him so many times and he won't. Back off, Brussels. Get out. Yeah, I've been here before. Danny, um, yeah. we talked about how gorgeous the weather was. Um, who are we going to talk to this week on the show? Delighted to say this week we are joined by Virgin Media reporter and journalist uh, all the way from Australia, but she's obviously in Ireland now because uh, she's on Virgin Media. I don't know why I'm often like this, but anyway, Brianna Parkins, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Well, I'm like I'm looking out at the the weather. It looks deceptively sunny, but I know as soon as I get out there, it'll be that sad week Irish sun. I'll have to put three jumpers on. So sad I'm weather, I'm week doing okay. Irish sun. How dare you, Brianna? How dare you? How dare you not get fourteen degrees sun? <laughs> I've never been sunburnt in Ireland. I, I don't think I ever will be. That that is outrageous. I I got sunburned looking through a window there earlier this week. <laughs> Glorious Irish sunshine. Uh, how 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 long are you over here now? Was it three years? Yeah, it's three years. I think I moved October two thousand and eighteen. So yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a journey. It's been three years. Um, I finally know how the immersion works. <laughs> so I'm due my citizenship any day now. I actually yeah. am a citizen already, but I feel like I need like an official certificate. Yeah. yeah, it's like a letter from like Mr. Tato with a pass to the park and that kind of thing. It's that's <laughs> when you know you've you know you get to pat the president's dogs. And no, what I really want is a coffer's gold card. That is to me the citizenship good? test. A coffer's gold card. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a weird one because it's like we'll we'll get back to you slagging the Irish zone. I'm not letting that pass. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> The copper's gold card situation. It's mad because, like, there's people I know who don't work in the public sector and who have never set foot in coppers and they never would set foot in coppers. But there's a whole batch of people out there who are like, you haven't, unless you've been to coppers and experienced copper. Coppers at Christmas, particularly, being the big one, then you don't know what you're missing. No, and it's the same when Irish people come to Australia and like Bondi, everyone loves Bondi. Like, let me tell you something about Bondi. That is where the sewerage runs out. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, it used to be literally like a rock, like the, there's a pipe cut in the rock, and like literally like literal shit used to run out. <laughs> at Bondi, you just kind of 
the lot. Now the pipe runs out about a kilometer past Bondi. But like when I was a kid, you, my parents wouldn't take me to Bondi. It was in the nineties. Um, it was a very working class suburb, had a big heroin problem. Like you, there was a fear that you would walk on a needle in the sand. And now mm. it's like Bondi rescue. And like you go and you see county jerseys everywhere. And you're like, no, this is terrible. Don't come here. But they love it. And I feel that way with coppers, right? And so actual Irish people, and it's particularly dubs, like dubs would not be caught dead in coppers unless the the Dublin team is just one. Um, But when I take Australians, they're like, this is, they're playing the Grease Mega Mix in a nightclub. Oh my God. And they love it. So I feel like coppers could be the Bondi of Ireland. Where about in Sydney are you from, Brianna? I'm from Western Sydney. Which is uh, past? I'm from a place called Toon Gabby, or as the locals call it, Toon Scabby, and it is past Parramatta. It's a long way from the bridge. It's a long way from the beach. Yeah. I lived in Randwick for a couple of weeks. Ah, lovely. So that yeah. you're in County County Bondi, Randwick area. Yeah, I didn't spend much time in Bondi. I was down there a few times, but it was mainly um, in the city, and I stayed in Randwick with, with family, friend, family and friends for couple of weeks. I really liked it though. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Randwick's a good spot. You're kind of halfway between the beach, halfway between the city. Yeah, but I certainly, I get like, I, I, when I lived in Australia, I started in Brisbane and it was simply just because Brisbane was the cheapest out of all the big cities. And There's a reason for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true Aussie here. Um <laughs> But I can certainly see why Irish people get comfortable in Sydney when they they hit there at the start when they're supposed to be kind of going on a 12-month adventure, 10 months in and they're still in Sydney. I can see how that happens. Like, Yeah, it's, it's a great spot. I mean, it's really expensive to live in. I can't really, like Melbourne is the more livable city, but we won't give that to them, right? We're just, we, I won't admit that Melbourne is the better city. Sydney, like if you just enjoy being frustrated and all the time by public transport and traffic and paying through the nose for it, like it's a great place to live. Mm. There's, uh, there's, people, there's, there's people from Shankill who are listening who, when you were describing about the rejuvenation of Bondi, they were like, we could do that. We could move to Sierra's plant in Shankill up the road and our beach could be fixed. And so there you go, lads. There's planning to be done. Just use Bondi as your roadmap. Yeah. You just need to get like shirtless men to make a show about rescuing yeah. people there. And in a 14 degree sun. In, yeah. in glorious 14 degree sun, Graham. <laughs> um, it's mad. Like, I've never been to Australia because I'm a firm believer uh, that everything in Australia wants to kill you. Um, and stonefish. <laughs> Stonefish terrify me. I don't understand why that's a thing. What, what like nature makes something look like a stone? You stand on it and you die. I don't understand why nature <laughs> needed to do that to us. Like, you know what I mean? Just for so, the crack, do you know? <laughs> for the crack. Yeah, stonefish, and then I'll never go to Asia either because there's giant hornets over there that, quite frankly, are the stuff of nightmares. Um, you just stay in Ireland, Danny. You just stay in leash. Uh, no, I'll, I'll get out of leash. To be honest with you, I feel like I've been punished by being put in leash. Um, I mean, I'm not in the prison. I probably need to clarify that for you, Brianna. I'm not in Midlands prison. <laughs> this has gone very weird very early, hasn't it? Brianna, <laughs> um, how, how have you found reporting in lockdown? I've watched a couple of your features on Ireland AM over the last couple of months that have been very good, but they've kind of been like, you know, the different element of the story. You're out visiting the publicans. You're out visiting... It's school teachers, you know, they've, they've been really, really good. How, how have you found it? 
Ah, thanks. Good to know someone's watching. Sometimes, sometimes I worry that it's just sort of people's in hospital, people in hospital, nursing homes who can't change the channel who watch, <laughs> who watch me sometimes. Because um, a lot of doctors are like, oh, I saw you on Island AM because they, they do play it a lot in hospitals. So it's good to know that do people are, are tuning in. Um, it's, been, it's been different. It's been a, it's been a challenge. Um, not going to lie. It's had to change fundamentally the whole way we work. Whereas before, I would do like a nice sit-down interview with someone about something really deeply emotional at their kitchen table in their own space, feeling very comfortable and very private. Now we're doing that outside um, in public spaces. And I always feel like an incredible amount of responsibility when we're interviewing someone, especially when we're going to hospitals to interview consultants, um, anyone who's sort of public facing, that we're not making their job more riskier by being there and not getting in the way. So we're doing stuff like we don't share microphones. Um, I don't travel with the crew anymore. I get my own taxi on my own way in. Everything is sanitized. Everything is wiped down. But now, 12 months on, I've kind of gotten into the swing of things and you kind of just, it becomes a habit. And I don't think, even now I look back and I'm like, oh God, I was standing so close to that person with a microphone. Like that was really gross. Never again. And we were sharing that. And like, when you talk, like spit, like does end up on a microphone. Like we were passing it back and forward. That's disgusting. So I think it might change the way we work from now on. I was just about to say, do you think long term it's, it's going to change it? Like not just in terms of those bits but also in terms of like has there been a shift in like the public reaction to talking to you as a member of the media yeah i mean we do always get this um we do always get this there's been a bit of backlash of course with coronavirus and people calling it you know fake news fake covid and you know when i was in the street i was interviewing this woman um she was a debenhams worker um, she lost her job of 20 years via email. She was, she's in her 40s. She's not sure what she's going to do in this really emotional interview on the street. She's out there protesting every day um, in the dock there on Henry Street. And this woman just ran up to us and was like, fake news. And I was like, oh, you can yell at me. Like if I'm out there doing a stand up down the camera looking like an idiot, yell at me all you want because I'm used to it. But please, please don't come up and yell fake news while this woman is giving a recount of like, probably the worst time of her life you know yeah yeah 20 years uh-huh. service in debenhams no redundancy and someone's shouting to her fake news yeah. fake news and it's interesting because you know when people see the, the camera and and the the microphone it's just a beacon of everyone just wanting to come up to you and give out about things that are annoying mm. them which is kind of a privilege in a way i'm like right did i make that person's day better by letting them yell at me about the government for two minutes maybe like if that's a service i can provide like that's that's okay by me but there is this kind of understanding of all oh, the the media is pushing this and all the media want to do is talk about coronavirus um and you know they're getting money from bill gates like i'm still waiting on my bill gates money you know bill i'm waiting i've got my revolute open yeah, that's yeah. it like i think uh it's it's mad because uh, like lads that we would know and, and people that we would have grown up with and everything that you think kind of have a bit of cop on in them. You see them posting on Instagram or whatever and it's stuff like, it's a 5G conspiracy. And I'm like, you can't count the five, man. What Like, what is this? Where did you get that information from? Like, So I can only imagine what you're getting in the street kind of thing. Do you know, it's people in your own family as well. And <laughs> <laughs> what I say, and like I come from a very working class background, I'm the first person in my family to finish high school, never mind go to uni. Um, so I've got a lot of my family members are tradesmen, like they're printers or they're plumbers or electricians, like licensed sort of trades. And I did four years at, at TAFE tech and apprenticed and whatever to get there. And I'm like, would you let 
an unlicensed uh, electrician just come into your house and start pulling out wires? And like, no, God, no, I wouldn't. Like, why do you listen to people who aren't journalists tell you information that you can't back up? Like, we go to university. No, that doesn't mean that's not the that doesn't mean anything really in the long run. But we go to university. We're trained in ethics, and we are subject to like if we just go on, if I go on the telly and just start lying, like I will get my ass kicked by the broadcasting authority and I will lose my job. Like there are, there are punishments for for not being honest. And I think people need to understand what we do. It's a craft and it used to be a trade. Like you didn't have to go to uni for it. Like you learned at the newspaper and we need to treat journalism like we would any other trade and respect that professionals are doing it. And if it's not coming from an official source, we need to question, really, really question why. Yeah, it's... It's one of them, isn't it? That like, I don't think people fully appreciate like real and good journalism until something like what we see and say with with like the whole shit show that went on with Donald Trump and everything else and Fox News and what we see in America from that and these agencies grown that they're they're not news; they're just propaganda thing. Like, so I don't think people actually fully appreciate like people just going out on the street and talking to people and that being now here. Look, here's the real life story of somebody. It's not some lunatic who has an agenda kind of shouting at you, which unfortunately is happening more and more. Like, Yeah, there's a mixture of it as, as well, though. It's a lot of people that have lost their job. They've spent some, they're spending more and more time on, on social media. And I'm, I'm going to use Facebook because Facebook seems to be the more prevalent one where um, there seems to be like, instead of going to college for six or seven years to become a scientist, there's people on Facebook that have got their, their, their degree or doctor in, in, in science after six months. They're all doctors and all vaccination experts and all. And I think it's a mixture of having so much time in their hands and now they just go down the rabbit hole of, and then by the time they get to that rabbit hole, then they're, they're believing in QAnon stuff. And it's kind of like... They're believing in what, Meryl? QAnon? I'm just being a dickhead. QAnon. QAnon. So I've just never heard of, I've never heard of QAnon, man. That's all I'm saying. But when they when they get to the point of the rabbit hole, they're on to that topic, and it's like there's just they get into a rabbit hole of everything, and then yeah, back in Tom Hanks and his wife are after getting citizenship in Greece because they want to be pedophiles. This is what we're dealing with. It's just like to clarify, Tom Hanks isn't a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, for our defamation. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's weird laws in Ireland, man. God knows who'd come after us. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting one. It's um, have you have you found as well, Brianna, that like it's it's harder as well for you as like a woman reporting this stuff because it seems though sometimes there's there's even a, a bit of a more toxic. Well, it doesn't seem there hundred percent is a more kind of toxic kind of atmosphere. Like we we had even more in the podcast before, and she was saying before like she gets stuff on social media that's literally just because she happens to be female, like. Is, have, you, have you had any experiences like that? Yeah, and, and Aoife and I have, have talked about this. By the way, I love Aoife more. Like, my dream would just be going on the lash with her in Derry and then <laughs> us getting matching burned at Devlin tattoos. Yeah, we're all <laughs> going. That's real creepy. We're all going to Derry after this. Absolutely. We're going on the session and everything, and everything goes back to normal. But there, female journalists do cop it worse mm. than male journalists to a degree. I mean, it depends what you're... you're <laughs> every subject genre of journalism has its own particular brand of nut, nutsos just following it. So like sports journalists, male sports journalists I know who write particularly about soccer or football, they will get death threats for writing about certain teams and for exposing things. If you're a female journalist in sport, you are going to cop 
the fact that like, oh, you're only on that panel because you're a woman, you're only there to have something to look at. We had to put up diversity numbers. How would you know you'd never play the sport at an elite level because you're a woman and you're not allowed to? Um, I think they, their female sports journalists tend to cop that you don't deserve to be here. You don't know anything about the sport. Female political journalists like Aoife uh, have their own, again, subgenre of, of just bastards coming after them saying that they shouldn't be there, that they're, you know, just flirting with the opposition. They're trying, they're always pushing a, a political agenda. Um, I've seen a lot of my female colleagues um, be accused of having affairs with certain members of, of parliament or, or in the Dáil because they're getting good information and they're getting that good information because they're good journalists. Yeah. Um, I know colleagues of mine, I've sat at a table, this is more, this is back in Australia, I sat at a table where um, one of the best female journalists in its crime journalist in Australia actually gets intel on on organized crime i think before the police do and she it was just this conversation around the table who were all men saying yeah she only gets that because she sleeps with them i was like no because she's a good journalist and she has sources that she's built over a 20-year career and i think when it comes to me like i've never experienced it from the public i've experienced it from within the own my own organization every bit of sexism i experienced uh, which happened to my face and wasn't kind of that quieter sexism of like maybe not getting paid the same, maybe that the direct worst remarks and where I felt like I've head butted the ceiling. That's been by my own colleagues in my own industry, not necessarily coming from outside. Jesus. Yeah. It's how, how do you deal with that? Then? How do you uh, like when, like does, does it come home with you kind of thing? Yeah, there's a burning. I remember when I first started, that this happened more early in my career. And I think whether maybe that has something to do with um, maybe Ireland is, I think it's definitely less, I think there's less misogyny here in Ireland or less sexism, but it's quieter. Whereas Australian kind of brand of sexism, like it's loud. <laughs> like it, mm. But in, in another way, you can fight it more openly. And that's what I decided to do when I was starting off. So I had a photographer. Um, at the newspaper I started at, like, scream at me for something that wasn't even my fault. And he basically called, insinuated, like, I was a silly little girl, essentially. Um, so I roared back at him and then I went into the toilet and had a little cry. And my female editor came in and she's like, good, don't ever let them, don't ever let them see you cry. Like, go and have a cry, but cry outside the building. I thought, God, that's really grim. Like, that's yeah. my whole career. Um, and then I found, I got put on around, um, I got put on, uh, early childhood education like a, the round which is like which is you know the thing that you meant to cover even though I was next in line for the for the police job and the police job went to my best friend who was a boy and he was like hang on a second by the way things should have worked out Brianna was through that round and then it was explained to me that oh no he can't go into primary schools because he's a man and he won't relate to children which is untrue because he's the nicest person ever and he would have done a much better job than I would have done <laughs> right talking to kids like i don't kids freak me out um but yeah so how i fought that was i fought directly and so i don't think this is fair but in the end i just stopped doing reports on schools and i started doing this big investigation into illegal brothels and to sex trafficking in the area and they're like okay maybe yeah maybe we'll take you off the 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 kitty round then um and i remember in my second last job i had in australia um, it was a really sexist work environment. The boys were just, my male colleagues were just treated so differently to us. They're invited to like beers and the cricket team for bonding. It's like, uh, hi, hi, hello. Like, 
Um, and they were just favoured hand of a fist for promotions. And it was really obvious what was going on. There was no female leadership in the company. If women got pregnant, they were sort of encouraged to leave. Like it was just systemic. But um, I remember I said, look, I'm leaving. I've got this really good job. And I got a job on a show called Media Watch, um, which its whole job is to call out dodgy media reporting. Like I'd love to bring mm. one to Ireland here kind of what we we're talking about earlier, like teaching media literacy. And it was a really good job to get. And I was 25, and which was, I think I was the youngest person to ever work on it at that stage. But um, yeah, my, my, this big middle-aged man boss yelled out across the newsroom, who did you, who did you fuck to get that job? I'm, I'm 25. I'm a 25 year old girl. Um, he thought that was an appropriate thing to say. And no one spoke up. I kind of just walked out. But everyone thought that was an okay thing to say back then. And that was like, what, 2016? That's not that long ago. Jesus, yeah. It's mad. Like, it's, mm. yeah. I, I don't, and the worst thing is because, like, I think all, everyone knows at least one person who has that reaction in them. Do you know what I mean? And it's that whole thing of when it comes out, when that sort of reaction to something comes out, or when that comment is made. And the same, even like, having chats with people in, in work or having chats with people in whatever and you might be talking about something that happened in politics and it'll be a female politician and the reaction is always stronger and more vicious towards a female politician than when it's when it's a bloke that they're talking about kind of thing. So I think like, just, yeah, that shit needs to be called out more. Uh, I think as well in Australia, it would be fair to say that the Aussies kind of, uh, they don't think before they speak. They're, I think they definitely, like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I don't know if they don't think, but there is definitely a sense of openness and mm. honesty. Um, but yeah, I so again, I thought the same. I was like, okay, maybe they're just like dumb men. I was like, no, they know what they're about. And that's not to say like, to be honest, I've had great male bosses who've been really supportive, and I've had some some not so nice female bosses who uh, kind of fostered the sexism. And, and we talk about yeah. women who pull the ladder up behind them. So I want to make it really clear that when we talk about sexism in the workplace, it isn't just awful men, you know, trying to put their hands up your skirt. It's it's sometimes female colleagues who uh, again had that internalized misogyny and who don't want women coming up through the ranks behind them. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember just a little anecdote. I've told Andy this a few times, but I remember when we start when I started out in Brisbane and we were making our way down to, to Sydney. But I remember like going to pubs after work. I worked on Suncor, and you'd go to a pub after work on a Friday, and they would like within haven't even exchanged names with these kind of strangers, so to speak, and they'd be straight up saying, "Why are you in a wheelchair?" and kind of going. I don't, I don't even know you. I said, Rude. maybe this is just a Queensland thing and change when we get out of Queensland. But it was all over Australia before you even exchanged pleasantries or saying hello. Or, so what, what happened? You were in the chair. It's like, how the fuck is that relevant? It's just yeah, the, I, the openness they have and they just kind of, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it can be wrong and it can be uncomfortable all, a lot of the time. Yeah, and I'm sorry you experienced that. And, you know, it's probably ableist to me to go, you know, I I have never experienced that because I don't deal with that. But, um, yeah, there is this kind of just like, well, what's wrong with you? And, and <laughs> you're like, that's really, it's really kind of a messed up question to ask. But when you kind of t- start talking to them, like, you know, there's been, you know, my family has Indigenous members of my family and there is a sense of just like, oh, what what's the deal with, 
what's the deal with them? You know, and it's, it's a pure curiosity. It's not even meaning to be rude, but there is a sense of just like, well, I'm thinking it, so I'm saying it. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm saying what I'm thinking and I don't care about him. Um, I actually miss uh, honesty. And again, I come from the privilege of like not having people ask me extremely rude questions all the time. But I miss the about Australia, the directness of Australians. Like, you know, within 10 minutes, if someone doesn't like you, like they'll just be like, I don't like you and walk away. Whereas in Ireland, it's like, ah, you've been talking to them like for three hours, you, they'll be buying you beers. And then, you know, when you turn around, it's like, oh my God, you won, Jesus Christ. And, like, you never know where you stand with Irish people. They live in permanent paranoia. Yeah, that's that whole thing of like every time they pick up their phone, they're like, that's, that's the fake text telling there's a family emergency they need to leave for. That's, yeah. you know. We'll be right back to our guest, but first we got to take a quick word from our sponsors, Manscaped. Now, we already know that Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. And we already know that they offer the precision engineer tools for your family jewels. We're part of the two million men worldwide who are already trusted Manscaped, and our town halls have been immaculate for quite some time but what i'm really here to say today and what i'm really happy with is to work with a company that's doing so much to help support something like the testicular cancer society and to help spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection testicular cancer society and manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 with their we save balls initiative so when you're down there and you're giving yourself your trim using your Manscaped products such as the Lawnmower 3.0 or Crop Preserver or Crop Reviver. Give yourself a check for any lumps, any bumps, any swelling or any pain. If something seems unusual, get it checked out. Manscaped recommend checking yourself once a month. So make sure you're doing it, lads. And if anything is sinister, if anything's there, catching it early is really important. Check yourself regularly and make sure that you're not only keeping yourself neat and tidy, you're keeping yourself safe too. Head on over to manscaped.com to learn more. And remember, when you use the code WTSPOD at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Now, back to our guest. You, you um, miss that in Australia. Do you miss Tim Toms as well? You can get them here. You uh, can. Fallon, yeah. Fallon and Byrne will charge you through the noise for them, but you can get them here. Yeah, Where there's, all, there's, them here? there's several websites as well that have popped up lately that are quite reliable. I've been getting top decks. I'm not Tim, Tim Tams. I could take or leave, but a top deck. Ooh. Tim Tams are sensational. With draw they're, they're grand. Like I mean, mint, mint Tim Tams. We'll have some in the fridge. <gasps> oh, now this is right. So this is something that gets frequent arguments. Right, chocolate in the fridge. I'm a firm believer in it. I'm like absolutely. Yes. Where else you keep your chocolate? Like, Mara, where do you fall on this? Um, it depends. Like I wouldn't put a Kinder Bueno in the fridge. Fair. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, all right, yeah. Because all the cream, the cream would just freeze up and that defeats the purpose. That said, though, that's it. Snickers and bars, I'm okay with it in the fridge. Snickers, you'd break your teeth on that. Yeah, but it it lasts longer. I mean, I I can't argue with your logic, but at the same time, (laughs) the one thing I was right... You were saying that you put chocolate in the fridge and now you've said no to Snickers and Mars bars. Yeah, a Snickers in the like. What chocolate do you put in the fridge, then, Danny? Like a Dirty Milk or a Golden Crisp or something. But I will tell you what else I do. Right, you mentioned Kinder Bueno. You know, this is by the way how this podcast goes regularly. We'll start off and we'll have it like a kind of a semi-serious chat about stuff. And we're like, mm-hmm, and then out of nowhere, it'll be like, come here. What's anyway? I love this. Do you know the their Kinder uh, Happy Hippos? I think they're called. 
Absolutely. No. Yes. Get them yeah, in the yeah. freezer, lads. Into the freezer with them. In the freezer. Oh, my word. Sensational. My best friend um, has discovered putting marshmallows in the freezer. Yes. And that is a game changer. Yeah. Marshmallows in the freezer, really? Yeah. Yeah. There are some people who put Haribo in the freezer as well. I'm not on board with that. I bought a pack no. of them. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of the old Tanktastics. I wouldn't put them in the freezer now. No. <laughs> Tim Tams I missed for years after Australia, after I left Australia. It's yeah. the one thing that Irish people seem to really take away from Australia. Like, well, maybe like three things. Like, Australia is mad racist. Uh, Australians <laughs> are rude. You shouldn't, shouldn't laugh at that, but like... It is, though. And Tim Tams. Tim Tams are delicious. Like, that's yeah, the three Tim things Tams. I feel like Irish people take away visiting us. Yeah, yeah I, well, I don't know anyone who's been to Australia and come back and not mention Tim Tams. Like you were saying earlier on about you getting your citizenship from Mr. Tato, I feel as though Tim Tams is at that level, been in Australia. There's some sort of weird connection there. Yeah. It's, it's very odd. Like, candyland.ie, yeah. Mero, you'll get them there. There's a free I'll get Tim Tams there. Lovely. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and Fallon and Byrne in, in Dublin, that really notiony grocery shop. Yeah, very um, notiony. Very notiony. You're probably going to get somebody tweeting out oh, shopping and phone and burn are you yeah, yeah hey yeah. like that is my financial goal all right is to do the big shopping plan <laughs> and burn like when my bill gates like vaccine money comes yeah, through yeah. i'm going to be only shopping at fallon and burn yeah if i wanted to go on 100 i'd be in fallon and burn every week danny and i got our first vaccine and it's mad we've had bill gates meetings every every evening yeah he's just, just taking over the world isn't it yeah, I've been, transmitting, I've been transmitting 6G. I'm not sure what that is, but it's coming out of my left arm something fiercely. Signal's unreal <laughs> down here. So, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, old Bill Gates. Uh, Brianna, you were a Rose of Tralee. I was, yeah. I you was know? the Sydney Rose. Some people get confused and like, oh, you won. I was like, no, no, I gave out about abortion. I'm that one. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes, 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 I remember now. Yeah, the, the, the people of Tralee, the elder generation, they were looking bewildered and puzzled as you kind of said, oh, hang on a second, lads, something we need to talk about here. I'll do my poem in a second kind of thing. But, uh, but right, They so- banned poems my year. I was raging, so I had no talent. <laughs> I'm talentless. And they're like, no poems this year. I was like, ah, that's all I had. Rhyming land with grand. That's all yeah, I had. That's, I mean, I'd have voted for that. Um, so tell us about that. How, how did you qualify for it? Oh, the Sydney, so I went into the Sydney, like, thing, right? It was the Sydney competition. Um, and, like, I love, I still am I'm a member of the Sydney Rose Committee. I'm just in the Dublin branch. There's a couple of us here. Um, and I had moved back to Sydney after spending a couple of years at my university town, Wollongong, and I didn't have a lot of female friends. Also, my granny was like, oh, Rosa Tralee, it'd be nice if one of my granddaughters went and did it. Um, and then my older cousins went and had babies and got married, which made them ineligible. So it was all left to, yeah. Yeah, to muggins here. Um, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you know what? And it was like three grand prize money. And uh, which we get, I ended up, you have to spend on clothes really to, to, to do all the dresses and the gooners and the fascinators. And you got a trip to Ireland. And I thought, great, like worst case scenario, I don't win and I make some friends. And best case scenario, I go back, I get to go back to Ireland and take my granny with me and we'll make it a whole thing. Because she hadn't been back in like 10 years at that stage. So I was like, great, I'm taking everyone home. Fantastic. Went in um, and the process is very different. <laughs> 
in the Sydney and like I should point out there's a reason why Sydney has never won the Roses for me, right? <laughs> we've, we've been in it 56 years where they're one of the oldest international centres. We're one of the kind of best in terms of finances as well because we always get sponsors because people love coming to the balls. The balls are basically like the Sydney Irish catch-up sesh of the year. Like they're great. If you're ever in Sydney, buy a ticket. Um, and so it's basically decided you don't know who the judges are. So you go to the events, you just go to, to pubs, essentially. Um, one's like a pub night and they just, you don't know who's the judge. So you, they're basically judging if you're a good crack, if you can talk to anyone, um, if you can and make people feel comfortable. Then you like do like a cocktail night where you give a, a speech, 10 minute speech about yourself. And then you have like a long day of interviews and it's like a job interview. It's like a group interview. You're asked about world events, like Miss Congeniality. Um, then you're sat in an individual panel and then the ball comes and then they pick the winner, right? So the ball came around. My mom is just like, ah, you won't win now. Like you're just not going to win, but we're really proud of you. And I was the least Irish in the sense that I had one Australian parent and I sounded like this and I didn't play like, one girl played the harp, like game over. Yeah, see, that's the equivalent of like performance enhancing drugs, though. She that's these <laughs> pets, that's what that is. So, so unfair. So, and so they're, they're like, so I'm like, great, I can just relax now. I'm, I'm gonna drink my wine. This girl, Aoife, is gonna win because she sang Grace and it was beautiful and everyone cried. Anyway, so they call out my name, but <laughs> the judge. The compare of the night, um, Amen. He he actually imports potatoes into Australia. Like he's he's done really well for himself. He is the Mister Tato of Australia. He has a really thick Tyrone accent. So Brianna Parkins didn't come out as Brianna Parkins. It was Brianna Parkins, and like no one knew. <laughs> My own family were like, "Oh, it's me! Oh, oh shit!" And uh, my mom was just like mouthing, like, "What the fuck?" Um, it was a huge <laughs> shock to everyone. Like my mom, literally, she, she went up to the judges afterwards and she's like, but why, why did she win? Why? I don't like thinking it was like a cruel prank or something. <laughs> and they announced the real winner later. So that was it. And then I went off to, to Tralee four months later and it was just uh, the one of the weirdest experiences of my life. And I, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah, it, it always... It was so weird. Like, I don't know what I was expecting. So I didn't really have an idea. I, I mean, I'd watched like bits of the Rosa Trilly on YouTube and, and stuff. So I got like a small sense of like, okay, but the stage part is only one tiny, tiny little minuscule bit of the thing. So um, you're basically put on a bus and you go to all these events like for eight hours a day and you've got to be in like full hair and makeup. It's like going to the races for two weeks in a row, essentially. It's um, exhausting, I'd say. So exhausting. By the end, we all got like chest infections and, and stuff because your, your body is yeah. always running on adrenaline. So actually end, every year, yeah, every year there's, there's at least one Rose or one Escort that Dahi or Ray or whoever's hosting that year points out uh, and you're feeling under the weather this week. And it's like, yeah, yeah. no fucking shit. Like. <laughs> it's like going to war. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with, with, with spray tans. Um, but it does make you really close to a lot of, and there were 60, 62 women, 63 women in my year. And uh, some of the best friends I still have um, are from the Rosa Trilly. My, my roommate, the Mayor Rose, is still, still one of my best friends. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and some people like to kind of, you know, make fun of it and they kind of like, you know, oh, the hook and rose kind of thing. But like, 
it's, it's a cult it, following, isn't it? it? It's most watched television every year. Like I, I think I've missed it like twice ever that I can remember, kind of thing. It and Eurovision are in my calendar, like, and they just don't budge, kind of thing. Just and they never will. It's happening. Yeah. It's absolute gold. Like, and there are moments of cringe. Abs- and I kind of understand why they ban poems, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm all right. Like, just yeah, just. Maybe they will, because it didn't happen last year. God knows what will happen this year. So, by the time it comes back, they might be like, make it easy for them, get them the fucking poems, it'll be grand. <laughs> yeah, get you know? the poems back. Yeah. I love that you brought up Eurovision, because when people, like, I have to explain this thing to Australians, like, oh, it's like Miss World. I'm like, no, no, no. It's like Eurovision <laughs> of beauty contests. Like, yeah. it's kind of, it's just out there, and it's great. And if anyone ever messes with it, I will, I will kill them, because... Yeah. A girl my year, she made a sandwich as her talent. So she met her boyfriend. He was a builder and she made him a breakfast roll, right? So they reenacted that and she, she made the breakfast roll on stage. It's like, you won't get this at Miss World. You won't get That's this anywhere. True. This is yeah. special and rare and should be protected. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Remember the year the, 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 one of the Rose's partners got up to propose? Like she was about to say no. <laughs> I still get sweaty watching it. They're married now. I'm, I'm sure they have a child, but I still am like, just, just walk away. You can do it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a blink twice if you need help. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eurovision in Australia, then. Uh, what's like, obviously, the last couple of years to being involved, they're going to be involved again this year, but they're not sending anyone. Like, is, is it massive over there or is it a new. No, it's it's been around for a long time. And when you when you have to understand Australia, it is a nation of migrants. Like mm. especially in Western Sydney where I'm from, I think I think in Australia over fifty percent of people uh have a parent born overseas. So that's more than half of us. And in Western Sydney it's even it's it's even higher. I think it's fifty percent of people are born overseas. So we already we all all my friends had at least one parent who was born in either Europe or the Middle East. So we get around Eurovision, we go for our respective countries. So like my Polish friends went for Poland, I went for Ireland and we will get up at, at two in the morning, three in the morning. And it was great because we used to get Terry Wogan oh, coming yeah. through. We used to get the BBC feed no and then Graham Norton. Um, then we sent, started sending our own, our own commentators and then they led us into the Eurovision, which was, which was a dream come true. And I was like, what are you doing in here? We're like, ah, like Turkey's not in Europe and they're not in the EU and they're in Eurovision. So come on. That's it. That's it. You see, I don't get that people say, it shouldn't be in it. I'm like, what? what's a fucking matter? Come on. Yeah, it's a bit of crass. Like, it's, it's a big, beautiful camp, cheesy pop festival. What? Like, who cares who's in it and who's not in it? It's just. No, I'm not. I'm not into that argument. They shouldn't be in there. It's uh, the time difference must be disgusting. But at the same time, if you're getting up for a party, yeah. Four a.m. Four a.m. I kind of, I kind of want to experience it in Australia. But then we go back to the stonefish thing, and like they're out to get me. There would be a stonefish at the Eurovision party. I just know what happened. So I've never seen a stonefish. Just so you know, never yeah. seen that's that's Australian propaganda, and I'm not falling for it. The worst I came across in Australia was a possum living in my attic. I love possums. Was he friendly or was he a bit bitey? No, he was very friendly, yeah. He stayed there for the whole six months. Problem? Got an extra pet? Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Did you name him? No, we never actually seen him. We just knew he was there. But how do you know it was a possum, man? It wasn't a chap called Dave. He he would go up on the the lamppost in the evening sometimes. 
we did no no name attached. You didn't form an emotional attachment. No, I can't remember if we named them or not. Yeah, ought to be leaving food out. That's probably a bad idea. That probably encourages martyrdom, does it? I don't know how it works. Are they considered rodents or what? Like, are they? No, we like possums. I don't think they're endangered, but we you wouldn't get someone like hunting a possum like you would say right. a, a mouse. Like you wouldn't set like a possum trap. But they do tend to live in attics and, and especially in like really crap Sydney share houses. And then <laughs> sometimes they have babies. You know, it's it's very exciting. They yeah. <laughs> We call them party possums <laughs> because they come out at night. Really? And so it's like when you're having a drink on the balcony and they pop over. Yeah. Uh, Brianna, do you like Chris Lilly? Yeah. Do you, I, I was thinking about Chris Lilly today, actually, because something came up on TikTok and I was like, man, that was really, really not funny. Like the blackface stuff. <laughs> Oh yeah, but at the time, like I was in high school, and I was like, "Oh, this is funny." And I'm like, "No, that's really not funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Like that's that's not good." Um, he was really popular. I went to an all girls school, so I really felt a connection with Jamae, private school girl. Like that was my yeah. teenage existence. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Australians have kind of mm-hmm. now gone. Oh, that wasn't funny. Maybe we need to reevaluate what we think is funny. And I hope, I hope he learns and I hope he, I think he has been doing more comedy and kind of, you know, maybe not getting into blackface, like maybe yeah, explore other things that isn't that. We can be heroes. The character that was wanting to do the roly poly all over us. Oh my God. She is the greatest character. Of- yeah. Again, she was brilliant. Like just stick to that. Um, she reminds me of the full coach I ever had. What's that? She reminded me of every netball coach that I ever had. Like oh, that, that woman. Yeah. With the tracksuit. Oh, the tracksuit and the big boot. The big boot on her foot. Um, you know, he's started a podcast in the Jamae character. I saw that in my recommendations, surprise, surprise, the other day. And I was like, oh, I just don't know if I can revisit it. Like, it's just too cringe seeing yeah, my teenage is. self being sent it up. <laughs> so you're just too much of yourself in Jamae. <laughs> Not too much of myself, but just that whole era of like so random. Like that was my school existence. <laughs> you know, that was the girls I went to school with. Like, oh, no, cannot, cannot go back. <laughs> I love the angry boys as well, the twins. Yeah, so good. And so good. The, the damn surfing. Oh, I think he's brilliant. I do agree with you though. The, the rapper and stuff. I didn't even find the rapper funny. No, you're like, that's like, just maybe not do this. Or like yeah. the, the, how he just turned himself into an Asian woman. You're like, that's, that's really, like, don't do the voice. Don't, don't, don't. He did they it. already he think did. we're racist, Chris, and you're not helping. Like, you're not helping yeah. the Australians are racist stuff. Like, you He did the Christ. series for Netflix, and I don't think it was that great. Yeah, I think he kind of jumped the shark there. But look, I hope he finds his way back. I'm delighted he's doing podcasts as Jermaine. Yeah, Unproblematic. Work away. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you mentioned earlier uh, going about missing home or whatever. Have you, have you had the chance to go back since you moved to Ireland? Or? Yeah, so I would have gone back um, probably once or at least twice. I tried to go back twice a year. And so I, I've been home a couple, like twice, I think, since. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I've been home twice. Uh, and I was due to go home last Christmas, but obviously with hotel quarantine. Uh, that is just not going to happen because mm. it costs me 3,000, so 2,000 euros um, to quarantine at home. And of course, a lot of airlines stop flying to Australia because of the caps. So to kind of guarantee a spot 
So they're only letting in, I think, 5,000 people into the country every week. That's how many spaces are in hotel quarantine. Mm. So I was looking at, isn't it going to cost me like 8,000 euros to get home for, for two weeks? And then that's my whole annual leave gone, really, is, is sitting in a hotel in Australia. Yeah. And it's a really tough decision. I've got two grandfathers who are, are ill. And, you know, oh, sorry and to hear that. That's okay. They're, they're doing okay. But it's always the fear of, like, will I get home if something happens and they go to yeah. hospital? I'm two weeks from getting home, best case scenario. So you do live with that in the back of your head of, you know, that's really, yeah, if I hope I will get to see them again, that's my biggest, just if, as long as I get home once before I see them, I'll be happy. Yeah. And do you, do you know? I wanted to uh, thank you for um, your GameStop ex- uh, explainer because I hadn't a feckin' breeze going on. I was like, what is this going on? How has this happened? And the Davy Stockbroker explanation as well. Yeah, they were brilliant. Like, Thanks. Thank you for them. They kind of they kind of went viral. You went viral with all that. Yeah, accidentally. Like I didn't I still don't really understand TikTok. And <laughs> one of the videos got like 1.2 million views. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm like, right, so I spent years invest- like being an investigative journalist, you know, digging into stuff, getting FOIs, fighting politicians, getting high court injunctions against me at the last minute. And all I had to do to get my story across was a can <laughs> of beer and a packet of sweets. Like, it was sort of demoralizing. <laughs> you made me want to kind of Guinness that night as well when I watched it. Yeah. yeah. Like, Diageo, sponsor me. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Help a girl out. That's it. That's it. Um, how, how did you come up with the idea, right, I'm going to explain this, but I'm going to explain this using cans and squishies? Well, my boyfriend, um, so I have, I worked, I did a couple of rounds as a financial journalist um, and I sort of studied the economics at uni um, before I just like left and I forgot about it. Um, and I just hated financial journalism because I felt like it was exclusive. Like we were kind of like, oh, we have to like talk up because he's a big stock brokers who are reading this and like yeah but like a lot of the time they don't know what they're on about like okay they're good at like the stock market but do they know about you know macroeconomics they know about all these other things that's happening um and i was explaining to him on the over the phone he's like asking me about gamestop and i explained it with that and then he wasn't really getting it so i explained it to him in person with sweets and he's like oh you should make you should really make that into a video i was like no shut up uh, so I did, and um, that was it. And I just feel like there's two types of there's a lot of different types of learning. And I think about people like my brother who um, hated school because he doesn't absorb information through reading. Um, but he, if you show him like he can take apart a car without a manual, yeah. he, he's he's a kinetic learner. So I think um, it was kind of like people are missing out on financial information and, and stuff they should know about because they're not being given it in a way that's digestible to them. So I was like, right, I need to show it. And if you use my hands, I need to, to show it. And um, I had cans of Guinness and sweets lying around and my housemate's sweet puppet. So <laughs> where is he sturdy? I always get, no, he's sweet. I always get them mixed up. And yeah, he's sweet. Yeah, that was sweet. it. That yeah, was it's, it. well, it's, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next one already. I presume, like, I don't know, what have you got Bitcoin or something lined up? Have you? I didn't, I've been really sporadic. Like, I absolutely <laughs> like, 
I'm such I'm like such a bad one for pissing opportunities up against the wall because <laughs> I, I get really nervous and I'm like, oh no, I can't follow it up. Um, but my work's been pretty, I've had a pretty heavy day job workload. So I was actually thinking today I might explain the Dolphin Group um, sort of Ponzi scheme and yes. I think nearly 2,000 people in Ireland lost their money. So I was going to explain how that worked. Um, I thought maybe multi-level marketing next as well. Like there's like supplement people. Fucking um, life. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like them lads. I did one on the show, so now I have a show on my, a segment on my own show that I, I'm already on. And um, last week we explained why a lot of people were posting when NIAC, the lads who decide who gets the vaccines in what order, they had said, look, travelers and Roma and homeless people need to be top of the list. We're not going by occupation and they, they need to be vaccinated, doesn't regardless of age. And I think someone tweeted, like, I think it was like some radio lad was like, tell me one good reason why travellers need to be, oh, sorry, it's my oh, phone falling over. No. Tell me one good reason why travellers should be vaccinated first. And I was like, all right, challenge accepted. So I, I went down a rabbit hole of research and like looked at their outcomes. So I was able to show on the show that even before coronavirus, their risk of dying was so much higher. So I got two jars and filled them up with marbles, essentially like traveler and non-traveler health, health outcomes. So by the end of the show, people could say like, oh, wow, that, that jar is full of risk. And that is why we need to vaccinate that medically vulnerable population. So, and I did one on contact tracing as well. So I'm moving out of finance and doing it all over, all over the shop. But if anyone has any ideas or if anything, want, if anybody wants anything explained, send them over to me because I'm lazy and I need a push. You'll, you'll get a list from me and Mero because we're two curious agents who are like, here, do you ever hear about this thing? What's that? So Yeah, send, send them on. And if I don't know it, I will go and find out. Like, so contact tracing I knew a little bit about, but then I just rang the HSC and pestered Neve, Neva Byrne, who like runs <laughs> all the contact tracing. It's like, Neve, I know you're real busy, but like, can you just... <laughs> she was great. Thanks, Love Neve. it. Love it. Um, Brianna, it's, uh, it's been great chatting to you. And uh, it was a very, very, very quick hour. Um, but unconscious, it's it's a sunny Friday, and despite what you think, it's roasting out. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've got this the shorts. is like your winter, Brianna. It is winter. I'm wearing like a jumper. Oh God, my phone! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the heat. The heat is knocking your phone over. It's just they can't yeah. handle it. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's it. Yeah. How <laughs> dare you, winter? My God! I mean, I don't look forward to uh, meeting you in Derry with Ethan. We'll have a few jars. Yeah, let's do it. That's yeah. It. Yeah, just we'll, don't we'll, tell her how much I like her. I think she'll get a bit creeped out. I think she Text her. But yeah. I just, it's really embarrassing. Sorry, Aoife. And I definitely won't turn up in your house one night, you know, cutting your hair off. It's not that weird. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> well, Brianna, if, uh, if people aren't already following you or if uh, they want to see more or learn more about you and whatnot, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on... Uh, instagram and twitter i think i'm on instagram as brianna parkins reports twitter is just brianna parkins and on tiktok brianna parkins like just search my name i think there's only there's only one of me out there so thanks so much for talking to us brianna <clears throat> really really thanks appreciate it me. it's been a blast it's really nice mm-hmm. being asked thank you yeah no thank you so much brianna parkins enjoyed that chat brianna's yeah. like she's she's a ledge Sound very very good. much enjoyed that very witty very, yeah, very laid back, very just cool, casual customer. Um, and as, as we were talking to her about the, the explanations she's done in recent months over those big, complicated stories. It's been excellent, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so more power to her. I hope, uh, hope to see a lot more of her on the, the news box and on the televisual.
Absolutely. I, I, I would watch, I'm start work at seven. So I always put on the telly um, every morning and uh, I, I'd i see her most mornings on Ireland AM with her pieces. So um, I like Ireland AM. I like Simon Delaney. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm, um, I'm yeah, I, I, if I have the TV on of the morning, Ireland AM is on. I wouldn't have it on every morning, but if the TV is on in the morning, it's Ireland AM for me. Yeah. Anyways, Dan, how can they listen to Brianna and all our other previous guests? Uh, it, very, very great question, Graham. I'm glad you asked. They can simply go to WTSPod.com or you can go to Spotify. You can go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all those podcasty places like Stitcher and, you know, what's the other one that you listen to? Do you listen to it on a cast or one of those ones? Podcast Republic. Podcast Republic. That's it, yeah. There's so many of them out there, lads. You are spoiled for choice. You can even get Alexa. You can tell Alexa, turn on the lads there and she'll do it. And uh, it's a great, great world we're living in that technology has enabled to do that, thanks to Bill Gates and his 5G in the arm. <laughs> I've 10G, fuck you. <laughs> and of course, if you, if you want to follow Graham Merrigan and his 10G, you can get him on Instagram and you can get him on Twitter, at Merrigan Mania. And if you want to follow Danny and his 6G, he's at Danjo Murray on Instagram and Danjo Murray at Twitter. He's very quiet these days, so... Maybe at the weekend he'll be a bit more active on the L Twitter machine. I, I hope to be. I've been very, very busy, Graham. Uh, very busy at work, but also my uh, my esports career, Graham. Oh, starting, okay. Starting to ramp up and starting to take it more serious now. You know what I mean? Well, maybe we'll talk about that next week. We will, yeah. League of Ireland F1 on YouTube, lads. Give it, I'm telling you now, something big is coming there. Actually, also, sorry, I did promise uh, a, a friend of the show, Noel Marr, he runs a, a business called Digital Motorsport Ireland. So if anyone out there is into their racing simulators and racing games and all that kind of stuff, give Noel a show, Digital Motorsport Ireland. He'll hook you up. It's a gent. Lovely. Until next time. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. Too sweet.